Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might as well highlight last week then. Last week I I had uh, two mornings at the QE2. Just more, more of the same. And um, two days with a physiotherapist. And my first day at the gym in over a year. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You know, the process is not always fun. But if you persevere past the persecution, you will penetrate the promises of God. Penetrate. You know, it's easy. Just get up every day and make a decision for that day. Let's not make long-range plans and then have them flop. Just get today and say, today I'm going to do, today it's going to be better than it was. Yesterday, hallelujah. So speaking of today, I'm going to talk to you today about um, something that's kind of uncomfortable. But I remember years ago reading about teachers will tell you that if you're comfortable, they're not teaching and you're not learning. But for the, now, for the past couple of years, I've been making it very comfortable here. Back, in, back when we were at 110 Thorn Avenue uh, three years ago, the Lord said, I want you to preach on love now. Why do you need to preach on love? Because most people don't get it. We, we live in a place where we, 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 you know, like, I understand guilt is good for you. Guilt means I've done something wrong and I can repent. Shame is bad for you because now there's something wrong with me. Let me just tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. God did not make junk. There's nothing wrong with you. You may be ignorant of some things, and you may not have figured out some things, but it's a process, and there is nothing wrong with you. Anything that was wrong with you, God put it on Jesus. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and he, he carried that. He said, so that it was a point, it's not appointed unto you for his wrath. People on TV now preaching about his judgment and white throne judgment. White throne judgment doesn't have anything to do with the church. We go to the Bama seat. The Bama seat is a judgment seat, but it's a reward seat. <laughs> See, you know, and if they don't tell you that, you're thinking, there's some angry God and he's going to get me someday. No, he already got you. And he's so happy to have you here today. He loves you. He's not mad at you at all. But I am. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out by talking about something. I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about pride and humility today. Because when I was a drug addict, I was very um, self-centered. All I thought about was, do I have enough money to buy booze? Do I have enough money to buy drugs? And then I carried it over into my into my my new life. But then I got into pastoring a church, and then I started carrying everybody else. And to the point where I can tell you, everybody that's ever been in this church, where they are, what they're doing, that kind of stuff, and probably I shouldn't know all that. But you can get proud of that, too. <laughs> so, so, you know, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. 
He said, I'm meek and lowly and humble. And, and so I, I realized that pride came. Pride was the original sin. Maybe we could start there before we go to the book of Proverbs. And we can find that in, um, in Isaiah chapter 14. And also in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. Yeah, let's do that. What's that? Which one? Oh, we'll go to, we'll go to um, the first one in order would be what? Oh, no, we better go to Isaiah. Yeah. It should be, if this is, it could be a very familiar passage with you. Because it's Satan talking about what he wants to do. And you got to know that Satan never didn't hate God. Satan just wanted to be God. And with most of humanity today, it's the same thing. We don't hate God. We just want to be our own God. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But let me just say this. When you're walking alone, you're walking in pride. There's no way, no way around it. If you, if you walk away from the body of Christ, you're in pride. This is, there's no question about it. The Bible is very specific and clear about it. But anyway, but let's read this first. So because Satan had a distorted identity, he wanted to be, you know, he, he was kind of like Adam. Like th- my Bible says that he was the anointed cherub, the praise and worship leader. He had a great position there, but it wasn't enough for him. Same thing with Adam in the garden. He, you know, he, he didn't even know good and evil, but he wanted to be just like God, no good and evil. And well, we know what happened there. Pride got in, and that's why I would, you know, my Bible says I was born in sin. What it really means is I was born in pride because pride is the original sin. So what do I have to do? I have to fight pride. Paul said, I die every day. What's he dying to? His own selfish desires. It's kind of like the theater of your mind. Uh, who's the star? <laughs> right? Other people come and go, but it's all about you, right? So how do I get rid of that? By putting him in the center. He's the center. The world does not revolve around me anymore. And that's easy to say. <laughs> but it's, but it's, a, it's something that has to be worked on every day. Humility is not natural. Pride is natural. Amen. So let's read what he says here. This is Satan talking. How about we pick it up in verse 9? Chapter 14. Isaiah 14, 9, Pastor Nancy. It's in the Old Testament. (laughs) It says, Hell from beneath is moved for you to meet you at your coming. So this is, this is what's going to happen to the devil, right? It stirs up the dead for you, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up us up from the thrones and all the kings of all the nations, all they that speak and say unto you, have you become weak like us? Are you the one? Are you the one that distorted the nations, destroyed the nations? Your pomp has brought you down to the grave. The worm has spread under you and worms cover you. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You're cut down to the ground that the weaken the nations. 
So if you ever need, if he's ever harassing you and bothering you at your house, just take this out and read it to him. But I'm convinced of this too. The devil's no problem. I am. <laughs> the only problem I have to deal with, the only devil I have to deal with is me. <laughs> Verse 13, for you sit in your heart, I'll ascend unto heaven. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm leaving this church and I'm blah, blah, blah. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I'll exalt my throne above the stars. I'll go start my own church. I'll also sit on the mound of the congregation. You see, <laughs> anyway, leave it alone. Okay. I will sit upon the mound of the congregation and uh, in the sides of the north. And um, I will ascend above uh, the heights of all the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Hallelujah. So again, this is all, he's all puffed up in pride. And the thing about when you walk in your own way, you walk in pride, and pride has already been judged. That's why the Bible says that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Lots of times God may be the problem in my life. If I'm walking in pride, then he, I'm, I'm not walking in the blessing of God, am I? Bible, matter of fact, he said he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I was thinking, Pastor Paul, I don't know if you knew it, but Pastor Gregory went home to be with the Lord yesterday. And uh, he's a pastor that we worked with in the Ukraine uh, for uh, several trips. And I remember one day I was preaching there. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Gregory, it was the second time I preached that morning, I think. I was sitting down there hearing praise and worship. I'm thinking, oh, they had praise and worship at the end. It must be over. No, no. Churches don't never stop over there. You're just taking a commercial break with praise and worship, fire you back up again, get you focused. So anyway, he motioned for me to come back up. I remember my suit was soaked already from the first service. But when, when I came back up, now he, he started 300 churches over there and pastored them, brought the pastors in twice, two days every month at his own expense, brought them in from all of the provinces to come to a two-day conference, which was what we spoke at each time. And uh, I, I got ready to preach, and they came up. They came up with their nice suits on and everything and sat in a circle around me and throw, spoke through an interpreter. We're here to receive the word of God. I thought, dear, you know, I, I knew what John the Baptist felt like. I'm not worthy to untie your shoes or tie your shoes. But I thought, what humility. I've never seen that anywhere with anybody. And that's what we really thought we were going to see him again this spring, and now he's gone. So now we've got to wait to see him in heaven, right? Uh, okay, well, let's, okay, we read about Satan. Let's read about Ezekiel, what God says about Satan happening to him in chapter 28 of Ezekiel. I remember Pastor Carlo was over there up on the platform playing with the guitar with his teeth. Over here, religious people might, might have got offended. They were up taking pictures, man. <laughs> it was just an awesome time. Now, you know, Satan had his eye wills, and now God's got his eye wills. <laughs> I like God's eye wills better. Um, the first one is in verse 7. 
I will bring strangers upon you and terrible nations. They'll draw swords against the beauty of your wisdom. Talking about the war with the Antichrist in the last days. Then you go down to verse uh, 16. By the multitude of your merchandise, you have filled the midst of you with violence. You have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. Remember Luke ten nineteen. I beheld as lightning Satan fall from heaven. And he cast him to the earth. And the only throne that he was ever able to set up in the sides of the north is in Jerusalem right now, the Dome of the Rock. <laughs> you know, he actually did what he was going to do, but he couldn't do it in heaven. He had to do it on earth. And that's not going to last when the tribulation period hits. That'll come crashing down too. I will cast you, I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of the fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Pride again. You've corrupted wisdom by the by your brightness. <laughs> Have you ever met people like this? Come on. <laughs> You're so vain. I will cast you to the ground and I will lay you before kings and they shall behold you. Uh, verse uh, 18. I will bring forth fire from the midst of you, and it will devour you. I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all of them that behold you. Isaiah 14 says that they'll narrowly look upon him and say, are, are you kidding me? Are you the one that deceived the nations? I'm telling you, what you're afraid of is a most with a microphone. You always act so bad in these scary movies. It's a bluff. A defeated foe. Okay, now Proverbs 16, 18. Your favorite topic will be pride. The, the interesting thing about this is I, I watched Creflo Dollar for about 20 minutes last week. And, uh, and no, no, but he was preaching grace to the point where I was, you know, uh, please don't take this criticism. It's where I was at the time. I thought he's preaching grace to the point where it's ridiculous. You know, that it was over the top and overkill. But now then I hear him preach this. I'm thinking, he's preaching in the last days, perilous time shall come. And he was talking about children with their parents. And I'm thinking, dear God Almighty, <laughs> how bad it is out there right now as far as children uh, disobeying their parents and living the way that they're living right now. So, so, um, so I don't need to apologize for... Preaching this, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Proverbs 16, verse 18. I don't know who else is home today, but I know James and Heather are home watching online because they've had no power for two days. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Something's got to give, right? <laughs> no, but it's all, I don't know where all the power's out, but it's all upper sackful and places like that, too. So... If you have power, you need to celebrate. This is, this is what I thought about when I, when I was hearing about this a couple of days ago. When the power source is God. Uh, but when, you, when your lines are down, you can't receive from that source, and so you generate your own power. But it's noisy and shaky and intermittent, and, and it requires a lot of maintenance. That's, that's the way it is when we're trying to live our own lives. 
And then, and then I thought, well, you know, one place it said our transformer is down. I thought, well, that's your local church. And, uh, you know, and that transformer needs to be fixed. So go down and help them fix it. Don't stay home and criticize it. Get your butt in gear and go be a, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. It's kind of like, you know, if, if we both sit on the same side of the desk, which is, but I learned to do that years ago when people would come into my office. Didn't want a big desk between us because it puts you, makes you look, or the big chair and the little chair, like this car salesman do. <laughs> but I would always scoot my chair around and come to the other side of the table because if we're both looking at the same thing from the same place, it's not between us. It's in front of us, and we can make the adjustments. But as long as it's us and them, it's not ever us and them. I'm a part of the body of Christ. You're the part of the body of Christ. Surely we can negotiate through anything if we just walk in love. Come on, Corinthians, Colossians chapter 3. Forbearing with one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave me. Where did that get lost in the church today? Forbearing with one another and forgiving one another. I'll tell you one thing, but I'll never forget it. No, no, you've got to forget it. Not only that, if you don't forget it, you'll never be free. God wants you to be free from the bondage of holding something against somebody else, my Lord. But I find that pride is blind, blind to the truth. How about this? Uh, 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide, divide the spoils of the great. Now let me read it in the, in the Passion Translation. Your boast, this is verse 18, becomes a prophecy of your future failure. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you will fall in disgrace. That doesn't sound like a good time to me, but it's a good warning, isn't it? It's a good warning not to be up in the air about over somebody else. And so I wrote in my margin here, pride is the voice of your flesh. Humility is the voice of your spirit. Pride is rooted in fear and insecurity. It has to be right. It feels threatened when it's challenged. I got to be right. No, you don't have to be right. You can be wrong and still be right. You can love people through anything if you make a decision to do so. And to realize that I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness and the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So I don't have a problem with Paul Wilson. <laughs> not that I ever did, not that I ever did. I mean, we're a miracle just to look at. We've been together for so many years. People who come to Pastor Paul and say, are you still here with him? Yeah. Hallelujah. We, you know, we, we have been through some stuff. Over, over 30 years of ministry, we got stories forever. Trips to the Philippines and trips to the Ukraine and Watching people come and go. At one time, we had a we had a plaque on the wall 
with, with all of the covenant members of our church on it. And we had to take it down one day because so many people left. <laughs> They're gone because of one reason or another. Now, let me just clarify that. If somebody leaves and goes to another church, it's, it's disappointing, but it's, it's not painful. But if they leave and don't ever go to church again, and when I think about some of those people that aren't going to church anywhere, and we've had some of the best speakers on the planet roll through that church over those years, and they sat under that word, and now they're sitting home drinking beer. I'm like, like, what is that? I don't know what that is. How about chapter 18? 18.12. It says, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. But before honor comes humility. And again, the Passion Translation. A man's heart is proudest when his downfall is nearest. <laughs> and he won't see the glory of God until, he, until the Lord sees humility. When the Lord sees humility in us, that's when he'll move in our midst. When we're not, and again, it's about finding a place. It's not about a position. It's like what I've realized. I remember one time we had this guy come to church for a little while, and he was talking about how many people it takes to make a peanut butter sandwich. And I don't know where he got all the facts, but when you, you stop and think about how many people during the day, like last week, the people in the hospital, the physiotherapy, when I look at all the people that were a blessing in my life, and some of them made less money than me, some of them made more money than me, it didn't matter. Everybody out there, there's no such thing as a menial job. Some, as they're out there serving humanity. And I need to remember that when, I, when I'm treating them that way. So when I pull up to McDonald's to order that chicken salad and a bottle of water, and I get up there and say, I'll have a number one biggie sized because <laughs> my flesh gave it before I drove around the corner. But, uh, But that person, that person that's waiting on me is every bit as important as I am. You know, and so when you begin to look at people like that, it just changes your attitude toward folks, right? Towards people. So that's what we're working on. Do we get it right every day? No, someday somebody cut you off in traffic and you say, God bless you. <laughs> Did I say Proverbs 18, 12? Yeah. A man's heart is proudest when his downfall is nearest, and he won't see the glory until the Lord sees humility. Amen to that. With that in mind, let's go to um, James chapter 1. No, James chapter 4. Just being able to stand up here. Paul. Hallelujah. <laughs> Last week, I couldn't have done it. You know, there's been a shift, and it's awesome. A little perspiration, a little shakiness, but again, that's the drugs that I should have been off by now. But because, of the, because I, I spent um, Wednesday, I think I was there at 6 o'clock in the morning, and at 10 o'clock, they said they couldn't do what they were going to do. <laughs> After they had already had me, uh, you know, something jammed in here and a little 
tie off and all that kind of stuff. They had to rip all the hair off my arm to get that back off. Now, it was a whole lot of fun. But, but what's my point in that? I don't know. It doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think it's so funny that I'm dealing with drugs again after all these years. Matter of fact, before they ever before Ken ever switch switched to kilos, I already knew all about it. <laughs> We're switching the kilos now. Okay, go ahead. 428 in an ounce. I got it. <laughs> How many grams? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> then they went and legalized it and took all the fun out of it anyway. No, we had some fun. Like, you know, my feet go left and right. I'm not built for running. But there wasn't a cop in the city that could catch me. <laughs> I remember one time this guy ch chased me, and I got so far ahead of him, he was over by the door, and I had to stop him. I said, I'll never catch you, I'll kill you. Well, you're not going to catch me, see ya. Because <laughs> I can run faster scared than you can mad. <laughs> yeah. One time I could feel the man's hand going right down my coat. <laughs> that was close, right? <laughs> Another time I jumped over this big fence and landed flat on my back. Bang. It would have really hurt, but I didn't have time for it to hurt. I had to get up and start stroking it again, man. Come on. <laughs> reason why Paul Wilson's laughing. Anyway, we'll leave that. <laughs> Verse 4 of chapter 4 is the Lord talking. And if you want to find out what all of this is really all about, go to Rick Renner and See, as he breaks down all of these words, I'm not going to do that today. You adulterers and adulteresses, friendship with the world. And again, friendship with the world doesn't mean that you don't have friends that are unsaved. Friendship with the world means, you know, I love my cat, but aborting babies are okay. Like we've gotten to a place where the animals have the same value as humans, but humans have no value at all. Kill them in the womb, and it's okay. So that's friendship with the world when you, when you start to agree with their, their philosophy, right? So know that. No, I'm not attacking your cat. I'm glad you have a cat. But, but again, you need to think about how much money we would spend on pet food and how many millions of people are starving to death in the world. And maybe we need to consider some of that too. It's okay that I'm going to buy the cat food, but am, am I going to do something for world missions, world vision, or something like that? You know, or is it all being consumed on me and mine? This is, and again, it's just a, it's not a condemnation. It's just consideration. He said, therefore, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. 
Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit of the Lord dwells in us for lust and envy? No, he gives more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does that mean? Resist pride. Fight against pride. Resist pride. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Resist pride. Draw near unto God. Be humble, and, and he'll draw near unto you. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to heaviness. Look at, look at this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will raise you up. Next verse. Next verse. Wow. Speak not evil of one another. Well, let me tell you something. So-and-so. I, I just want to share with you so that you can pray over so-and-so. <laughs> I just want to gossip and cover it up for prayer, right? Now, when you go your own way, you go in pride. It's all, they're all, that's all there is to it. There's no escaping it. Let's go to Matthew 16. Hallelujah. We can make the adjustments every day. That's why Paul said, I die every day. Yeah. He was just, he was recognizing the fact that, you know, that he couldn't, he couldn't do this on his own, first of all. So, yeah, that's, that's another thing that I need to point out. You're not going to do this on your own. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm meek and I'm lowly. And again, it's, I want him to be the center of my movie, but I keep, because I'm, because I'm the star, I keep getting in the way. And Marie, you're, you know, you're a part of my movie. I was reading the Bible you gave me the other day, right? But, but it should be more about Marie who gave me a Bible than Gary that received a Bible. No, but this is what he said. It's, that's why he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We need to make that adjustment in our minds. I'm not trying to get something. The church for years has said, if we can just get enough people, we can get some things. No, that's not what the things, it's, I just had this conversation with a pastor a month and a half ago. I said, you've got all this stuff in your garden, all this stuff. You're guarding all the stuff, but the stuff was there so that you could get people, not so that you could guard the stuff against the people. He's afraid somebody's going to break in and steal the stuff. I said, let them break in and take it all. You're going to put a guard around it and, and protect it? Stuff is not important. What's important is the people that you're coming in contact with every day. I know sometimes they're a blessing and sometimes they're a lesson. I get that. But everything, everyone, everyone that you meet on pur is on purpose every day. There's no such thing as a coincidence in the word of God. Therefore, if somebody's in your face, God sent them there. Is it a blessing or a lesson? Either way, come on. Some of the people that have annoy annoyed you the most brought the most growth in your life. <laughs> right? No, no, you can't learn any from anything from people that agree with you all the time. Let them disagree. 
is see if you rise up or sit down. <laughs> Where did I say go? 16. Did I say 16? Where do we want to go there? I get lots of understanding from you anyway, because this is the first time I stood up in a long while, so. Just take your time, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> How about, um, well, this whole story about, you know, uh, uh, Peter talking to Jesus is cool, too, because when he was in the Spirit, he said, you know, you're the Christ, the Son, the living God. But when he got over in the flesh and pride came in because it was going to concern his life, he said, no, no, Jesus, you can't go do that. And why was he feeling that? Because I've got plans for you. <laughs> I need you in my movie, God. You can't be leaving. So, so anyway, Jesus picked up on that, and he, he said in verse 23, Peter... Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You're an offense to me, for you savor not the things of God, but those are the things of men. Then Jesus said, and use this as a teaching opportunity. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. You know, when they talk about the cross and the crucifixion, the Romans were the first ones to ever use that. And yet David wrote about it in Psalm 22, about the crucifixion, years before it was ever became a practice. And now Paul is using it as an example of you're nailed to the tree with him. You died with him and you rose with him again. It's, it's, it's uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Yeah, come on. If, if righteousness came by keeping the law, he said, then Christ died in vain. Well, we know that didn't happen. So, But here he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For, look at this. Forever, whoever will save his life will lose it, and whoever loses life for my sake shall gain it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? People doing that all the time. Why? Because they're like Satan. They want to be their own God. There's nobody going to tell me what to do. You need to find somebody that can tell you what to do. You need to find somebody, some leadership somewhere that you can submit to. I have a couple of pastors that I submit to, and when they call me and tell me to do stuff, I do it. And sometimes I don't like it. But if I like it, it's easy. What happens when someone tells you to do something and you don't like it? That's why you need to be a member of a local church. Somebody's bound to get you. Hunt you down. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.